All right, so anybody in here ever had just a really bad day? <laughs> ever had just one of those days that you've got like your list of things and you think, oh man, I've got this list, but there's just not enough time to get it done. And then you get in the car and nobody knows how to drive that day. And so <laughs> then you hit all the red lights and you're just getting frustrated. And at the end of the day, you think, man, I got nothing done, right? Just one of those really bad days. Um, I'll tell you, it's fun for me when I have a bad day because my name is Joy. <laughs> and so <laughs> somebody even this morning said, oh, so are you just always full of joy? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so, but on days when I'm not, uh, people really like to poke fun at me. So I'll tell you about one of my bad days. Uh, it was about two months ago, and um, I just, I had one of those lists, right? And I've got this plan of things that I want to get done today. And so I, you know, pack my daughter in the car, and we start off, and it was just going to be one of those days. We could just tell, like, we were just hitting all the red lights. We were missing a few appointments that we needed to get to, and I just felt myself start to kind of spiral, right? Have you ever done this before where just a few things go wrong and it's like, well, the whole day is shot now. And so we get to this point where I'm just super frustrated and I'm like snapping at my daughter in the back seat and I'm like, man, you know what? We've just got to, we need to like reset today, right? And so I, I looked at her and I said, we need, we need something that can redeem this day for us. We need something with a firm foundation. We need something that has never let us down, something that's always been faithful, so you know what we needed? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chick-fil-A. And so we drive to Chick-fil-A, and of course we get there, and the line is like three times around the building, but we are not deterred, right? Chick-fil-A is faithful. They know what they're doing. So we get in this line, and we order our waffle fries, and we order our nuggets. And my daughter likes to get the chicken sandwich because she likes the pickles. And so we are not even going to wait to get home, right? We want this day redeemed right now. And so we park in a parking spot, and I'm passing out the waffle fries, and my daughter says, will you put the ketchup on my sandwich? And I look at her, I'm like, put your own ketchup on your sandwich, kid. <laughs> no, I didn't. So I take the, I take the ketchup, and I'm, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> So I take the ketchup and I'm trying to open it, but I have like just a little bit of grease on my fingers from the fries, you know? And so I'm like super frustrated and this ketchup is about to like throw me over the edge today. And so I think just in my very <laughs> irrational kind of negative mind, I think I'll just squeeze it really hard. I'll just squeeze it really hard and it's gonna shoot straight through onto her sandwich and then our day will be redeemed. And so I did it, and it did shoot through. <laughs> but listen, not any of it got on her sandwich. It shot straight through to the front of our car, and the windshield exploded in this massacre of Chick-fil-A ketchup. It went all over the dash. It hit with so much force onto the screen that it actually thought that I was like pushing the buttons on the screen. So the screen is changing the channel. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just, there was ketchup everywhere. Has anybody ever just had a day like that? Where not even Chick-fil-A can save your day. I just like hung my head like, oh, today just needs to be over. And my daughter's in the back seat and you know what she's doing? She is laughing. She's laughing at me, and I'm like, this is just the worst day ever, <laughs> right? And so sometimes I think it's so easy for us 
Just a few bad thoughts and a few negative things kind of send us into this spiral where it's like we're not coming out of this today, right? Our thoughts are so powerful and we have so many thoughts a day that our brain is trying to process all of these things at once. Did you know that the human mind on average has 6,000 thoughts a day? And I'm not talking about like you need to breathe, the unconscious thoughts. I'm talking about 6,000 conscious, real concrete thoughts every single day. And our brain is constantly taking these and they're trying to figure out where they go, which pathway they belong with, and how we can sort through all these things. Our minds are just constantly, constantly moving. And our thoughts are so powerful. Our thoughts can shape our actions and that can shape our lives. And so I think we need to start today with Proverbs 4.23, and this is from the Good News Translation. I want you to look at the words of this. It says, be careful how you think. Not just be careful what you think, but be careful how you think. Why? It says, your life is shaped by your thoughts. Think about that. That's in the Bible. Be careful how you think. Be careful of how you're allowing your mind to process thoughts because your life is shaped by those thoughts. Our actions are formed by our thoughts and that can really change our lives. Like 20 years ago, I heard on a radio station, and this is a silly story, but I heard on a radio station that if you go into a public restroom, that the most commonly used stall is the middle stall. And so because of that, yeah, someone said, yep, you heard it. Uh, so because of that, that means the most bottoms have been in there, that means the most stuff has happened in there, and that means that is the dirtiest stall, okay? And so they said, if you want the cleanest stall, you go to the first or you go to the last. Is that true? I have absolutely no idea. No idea. But let me tell you something. My mind believes that that is true. And so every single time I walk into a public restroom, this is too, too much information, I know. <laughs> every single time I walk into a public restroom for the last 20 years, my mind automatically says, don't go to that middle stall. The most bottoms have been in there. The most stuff happens there. That is the dirtiest one. My mind says, go to the first or go to the last. And that's what I do. And so, so now that you know how... I choose my stalls in the restroom. Um, but that's just an example of how powerful our thoughts can be. If a thought takes root in our mind and it becomes truth, our actions are gonna change because of that thought and our lives are gonna change because of those actions, right? And so I just wanna encourage you today because some of us with all of our thoughts, some of us spend so much time in this negative space over here. And some of us are not just hearing negative things, some of us are actually speaking negative things into our own lives. Some of us say things like, well, good things never last. And some of us say things like, oh, a story of my life, like this is just how it always goes, right? I can't do anything right. I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not popular enough. I'm not skinny enough. Some of us spend so much time speaking into our own lives things that are pulling us to this negative side of things that we're literally thinking and talking ourselves into a life that makes us miserable and a life that we hate. And so if that is you, if that is you, listen, or if that's somebody that you know, can I just give you a little bit of encouragement this morning that that was never God's plan. God's plan has always been that he is the healer. 
right? And we've been saying this for the last eight weeks with all of these different mental illnesses, that God is the healer. And God wants us healed, he wants us whole. And so we have to believe that God can heal anything, even a negative mind, even a mind that likes to look at the pessimistic side of things, God can heal that mind. And we are encouraged because God wants us also to participate. He doesn't want us to just sit by and wait for a miracle. God says, you can do something with this today with me. And so maybe you do need to talk to somebody. Maybe you do need more sunshine. Maybe you need to have more exercise in your life or more water. Or maybe you just need a Snickers at 3 o'clock every day. I don't know. Whatever your healing is, God wants us to participate in that. He is the healer. We get to participate. And our ultimate hope is that one day we will all be completely restored, right? One day we'll all be completely whole and we'll be perfect with perfect bodies. <laughs> we'll have perfect minds because we'll be restored back to what was the original plan when Jesus comes back one day, amen? amen. And, so, and so we have this hope and I just want you to know, man, when God created man, he created us back in the garden, right? And God said, let's create man what? In our own image. Let's create man in our own image. Let's make man so that he can be kind of like us. What a privilege, right? And that means that God didn't want just our bodies to be kind of like him. He wanted our minds to be like him. He wanted our minds to work like his. He wanted our minds to process things. But we were created for the garden. This was the original plan. So the factory settings for our mind were made for this place that's perfect and a place where God is constantly there and a place where there is no sin. This is what we were created for. Okay, um, I told you guys the last time I got to speak that I have a degree in kinesiology. You know how often I get to use that here? Never, I never get to use it. So today I'm gonna use it for just a second. So if you're a, a brain geek like me and this kind of stuff makes you giddy, um, just get ready because it makes me giddy. So I'm gonna show you a picture this morning of a positive thought. This is a brain scan of what a positive thought actually looks like in our minds something that's taken root, that's good, that's perfect, that's pleasing. Take a look at that, what, is it, what does it look like? It looks kind of like a tree or like a bush, right? Is anybody else just like mind blown that good things in our mind, positive things in our mind, look like they belong in a garden where we were created to be? Isn't that cool? Now let me show you what your mind looks like on negative thoughts. Take a look at these. These are, this is an actual brain scan of negative thoughts that have taken root in someone's mind and look at them. They just look like spiky and thorny and like little weeds that would tangle you up. They look like they're sucking the life out of something. Is it interesting to anybody else that a negative thought in our mind looks exactly like it feels? Isn't this what it feels like when our mind is just stuck in this negative place? We just feel like it's sucking the life out of us, right? We might feel like we have an actual headache because I think it's actually poking and piercing us. We might feel just like we're strangled and we can't get out. Isn't it crazy that this is what negative thoughts look like? And so now 
We've been in this battle, right, between these good thoughts and these negative thoughts, and they're trying to coexist in our mind, and they're trying to fight for their place in our mind. And so now we're in this place where we are just constantly trying to battle the good that we were designed for and the negative that we're influenced by in our world. And so you say, you might say this morning, well, great, like I've got all these thorny things in my mind. What am I supposed to do with all of these? Like I can't change now. I can't fix it now. They're already there. And so I want us to look at Romans 12, 2. And it says this. I think this is part of our solution this morning. It says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. So here's the thing. It says don't copy the behaviors and customs, right? So we've, we've got to choose something that we want to look like. We've got to choose something that we're going to be copying. And so we get to make this choice. Do we want to look like God? Do we want to act like God and think like God and live like God? Or do we want to copy what the world is doing? We have to make this choice. And it says, but later on it says, but the transformation of your life is not our responsibility. Who gets to do that? God. We make the choice, but God makes the change. This is the good news this morning. And this is why, yeah, you can celebrate it. This is the good news this morning that we can make this choice but God is the one that's going to transform us. God is the one that's gonna change our minds. God is the one who is going to make us into the new people with the new minds. So we can celebrate that this morning. And I want us to look today at a guy in the Bible that I think dealt with so many hard things in his life. And he dealt with things that were just miserable. And he was threatened with death multiple times. And he was beaten constantly. And I, I just think he had so many reasons to be a negative person. But when we look at this guy in the Bible, we're going to see the complete opposite. We're going to see a guy that's filled with joy. And we're going to see a guy that is filled with just uh, contentment. And he's filled with thankfulness. And so today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul, and I know we've looked at him a lot lately, but really, Paul had a kind of a hard life. He was doing exactly what God asked him to do. He was following exactly what the Spirit of God was telling him to do and where to go, and because of that, he's finding himself in these really hard situations where he's beaten, and he's thrown in prison, and he doesn't have enough food, and he doesn't have enough water. And he's just in these miserable conditions. And when we, we're gonna be in the book of Philippians today, and when we look at him, we would think, man, like how in the world is this guy writing this book from the place where he is? Because when he's writing the book of Philippians, he's sitting in a prison cell. And he's waiting to hear if he's going to be put to death. Think about that for a second. You think some negative thoughts are probably in his mind while he's sitting there waiting to see, I'm doing exactly what God told me to do, and now I might die. And I'm beaten to death, and I don't have enough water, and I don't have enough food. He's in this miserable place, and I think it would have been completely understandable if we read the book of Philippians and heard just the truth about that place. But instead, we see this book that's filled with joy, unexplainable joy. We see a book that's filled with thankfulness and that's filled with contentment. And I think, how did that guy do that? 
If I'm sitting in prison and I've been beaten, I don't think I'm going to write a book on how thankful I am. How did he do this? And so I want us to look at him a little bit closer today, and I want to look at some habits that Paul had because I think he just had some habits and some practices in his life that helped him to make the choice to follow Jesus. And when he did that, we start to see this transformation that God did in him, and we see that he was able to change his mind even though he had bad circumstances. So you ready? You ready? Okay, just making sure. Don't fall asleep yet. So I think the first thing that Paul knew how to do, even in the middle of all of these bad circumstances, I think Paul knew how to refocus his thoughts. And so let's look at Philippians. We're gonna be in chapter three. We're in verse 13 and 14. It says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not all that I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. So this is what Paul did. Man, in the middle of just a horrible situation, he says, man, all these things are happening around me, but he says what? I'm focusing all of my energies, focusing all of my energies on this one thing. And what is that one thing? He's focusing on Jesus. He's looking for Jesus in every situation. He says, once I find him, I'm focusing everything I have on him because he's standing at the end of the line. He's got my reward in his hand. He's got my eternity in his hand. He's waving my perfect body. Here it is, here it is. No more broken bones. No more blood everywhere. No more thirst, no more hunger. He's just showing him, come on. I've got it waiting for you. And so Paul says, I'm focusing all of my energies on this one thing. Um, I want you to look at this picture for just a second that we're going to put up here. Check out this picture. Nice tree stump, huh? Right? Nice tree stump. But did anybody notice this little guy right here? You did? No, you didn't. Lies. This little guy hanging out in the corner right here. Now that I see this little cheetah hanging out in the woods, that's the only thing I am looking at, right? That is, I can't look at anything else except this cheetah that's standing there, and I can't help but think, well, that's two different pictures, right? They just pasted him in there. No, nothing's changed about these pictures. What's changed is that now my eyes are completely focused on the cheetah in the woods, right? Nothing changed. The surroundings didn't change. The background didn't change. The tree didn't change. Nothing changed except my focus. And when you notice that when we start to focus on him, what happens to everything else? It starts to get just a little bit blurry, right? It doesn't disappear. It doesn't go away. It just gets a little bit blurry. And so I think this is what Paul did in his everyday life. I think he just searched, right? He searched the whole picture, and he said, there's Jesus. And he focuses in on him, and it doesn't make his circumstances go away. It doesn't make the conditions go away. But while he's focusing so hard on Jesus, he says everything else just gets a little bit blurry, right? Just like that hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face. And it says the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. This is what Paul did. 
Paul knew how to refocus his thoughts to find Jesus and to focus all of his energies on him. And we can do the same thing. The next thing I think Paul knew how to do was how to reframe his situations. Um, So we're gonna look in Philippians again. This is chapter one, verse 12. It says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that uh, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news because everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have started to gain confidence and now they're preaching the good news of Christ with more confidence and more boldness. And so Paul knew how to take the frame What does a frame do? A frame sets the outline in the border, right? And it says, draw your attention into this. Paul knew how to take a frame, and he knew how to find not the problems, but the opportunities. And so if we look at this, remember where he's at. He's literally sitting in a horrible prison. He's sitting in dirt and mud, and he's really hungry, and he's really thirsty, and he's been beaten. Like, he probably has broken ribs right now and can't breathe very well. He's in this situation. He says, but listen, everything that's happened to me here is helping to spread the good news. Paul's not framing the problem. He's framing the opportunity. He says, this is a place where people wouldn't have heard this before. And so because I've been thrown in this prison, guess what? I get to tell them about Jesus. And he says, the people that are here that do know, now they're gaining confidence. And now they're preaching the good news. And they're doing it with boldness. And he even says, man, I'm strapped to these prison guards, right? And so they were kind of afraid, I think, that Paul was gonna escape because they've seen some of the crazy stuff that's happened. So they chain him to this guard 24-7, and Paul says, this guy right here, his job is just to sit and be attached to me all day. And so I just have to think, he's like, oh, goody. Like, (laughs) and you know what he does? As soon as they get strapped on, he says, let me tell you about my Jesus. And so he starts telling them, right, for like eight hours, however long their shift is, And then as soon as they change guards and they strap a new one to him, he says, hi, my name's Paul. Let me tell you about Jesus, right? He's looking for the opportunities. He's not framing the problems. He's finding opportunities. Um, Like a year ago, my family and I went on this trip to Italy. Uh, It was just a miserable, miserable time. But uh, no, it was a great trip. We loved it. But getting there actually was kind of a miserable experience. Um, We made it to Newark, and from Newark, we were supposed to get on a plane that would take us to Rome. And so we're really excited, and we're ready for this trip, and our flight gets delayed. And it gets delayed, and it gets delayed, and it gets delayed. And at one point, I'm looking out the window, and I'm like, there's our plane. I see it, and I don't understand why it can't just park here, and why we can't just get people off and get us on. There's no place like Rome. There's no place like Rome. (laughs) And maybe you're like me, when I start to get into this negative place, I start like, I've got the solution for you, I know exactly what to do. Obviously the people that work here don't know how to do their jobs, so I'm gonna tell you. (laughs) And so I'm getting just super, super frustrated, right? And so we finally, like eight hours later, get onto this plane, and it's also, it happens to be the time when we had to wear the masks in the airport, and so my ears are hurting and my head is hurting and I can't breathe very well, Um, and so I'm just in this really bad place, right? And we finally get on this plane, and I'm like, okay, let's just go to sleep. 
and when we wake up, we'll be in Rome and we'll figure out you know, what we've missed from there. So I drift off to sleep, uh, and I wake up about 45 minutes, maybe an hour later, and I look out the window, and I'm like, we're in the exact same place. We haven't moved at all. And I'm like, what is going on? Is the pilot napping? Like, is what's, what's happening? Does somebody need my help? Do they need me to figure out how to get us going? Like, and so um, I am just like really, really in this like deep, dark place now because I just can't understand why we're still sitting here. And we ended up sitting for another hour and then they canceled our flight. And so they pulled us off the plane at like 3 a.m. And I've got my daughter with me and she is like fast asleep. And so I've got her and she's the sack of potatoes on my shoulder and I've got my bag and I've got my mask on and I am just fuming, right? And so we get off the plane and I look at my parents and I said, send me home. Just send me home. I'm done. And I really meant it. Like, I don't care about Rome anymore. I just want to go home. And so... They had to kind of talk me off the ledge. We went to a, a hotel for the night. We get back the next day to the airport, and they give us some meal vouchers because that makes everything so much better, right? <laughs> I've missed a whole day in Rome, but airport food's going to make up for it. So, so I'm like bound and determined to use every single penny of this voucher, right? To tell them, I'm going to show you. And so we sit down at this restaurant, it's like 11 o'clock, and I'm telling everybody, like, order the most expensive thing on the menu, get the steak, get whatever you want. And so my daughter orders dessert, um, and it's literally like breakfast time, and they bring her out this huge dessert, and it's covered in chocolate and whipped cream, and I think she even had a hot chocolate with whipped cream, and man, she was just living her very best life. Here she is. I mean, look, there's like a literal wall of roses that's growing up behind her in this place, and so here's how framing works, right? If you ask me about that day, and if you ask me about that trip, I'm going to tell you about all the setbacks. I'm going to tell you about the disappointing airport. I'm going to tell you that I had to wear a mask, and I didn't like it. I'm going to tell you all about the delays. But if you ask Finn about that trip, what's she going to tell you about? She's going to tell you I ate cake for breakfast. And it was huge. It was as big as my face, and there were three kinds of chocolate, and they brought me hot chocolate, and it was the best day ever. She had the exact same situation. She got set back just as many times as I did. She had to wear a mask just as long as I did. But she framed cake for breakfast, right? I'm framing the problems, and she framed the opportunity. This is exactly the same thing that I think Paul did. I think he looked at the whole picture and said, where's the opportunity? Let me frame that. Let me start focusing in on that. That's where I want my mind to be. And that's how we can make those choices and we can let God start to transform us and change us and actually change our mind. Um, the last thing I think Paul did, I think he rehearsed, right? I think he just practiced these things a lot. I can't think that he ended up in prison and then thought, let me learn how to focus my thoughts on Jesus. I just don't think that's how it worked. I think that he was in the constant practice of focusing on Jesus. I think he was in a constant practice of trying to frame opportunities in his life. And I think once he got to prison and he got into these really bad situations, I think Paul was just doing what he had always done. 
right? That's what practice does. It gets us ready for the main event. It gets us ready for the big thing. And so I just want to look at this verse. Um, <laughs> it says in Philippians 4.9, so in Philippians 4.8, Paul has said, he's given us these list of positive things that we should be focusing on. He says, fix your eyes on things that are good. Fix your eyes on things that are pure and that are lovely. He says, fix your thoughts on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So he's telling us and instructing us where to put our thoughts, where to put our minds, what to look for. But in Philippians 4.9, he says this, keep putting into practice all that you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. And he says what? If you do that, the God of peace will be with you. Keep putting it into practice. And I think the key, if we want to see change, I think the key, if we want to really see transformation in our life, is we have to be willing to practice, right? When I was in high school, I played basketball. And I was a pretty good player, but none of us liked to shoot free throws. And so my coaches at the time were really good, and they were like, you should love free throws. Like, nobody's defending you. Nobody's guarding you. It's, a f it's free points, basically. And so we would practice these free throws a lot. And so one year, to make it a little bit more fun, we were doing this fundraiser, and we were going to shoot 100 free throws. And we were going to go out before, and we were going to get pledges. So people were going to give us money for every single shot that we made. And so some people would say, oh, I'll give you a dime for every one that you make, or I'll give you a penny, or I'll give you a dollar, or whatever. And so I was super competitive then. I'm still pretty competitive now. And so I was like, I'm going to crush this competition, right? And so I would get to practice early, and I would shoot free throws. And I would stay after practice late, and I would shoot free throws. And on the weekend, you'd find me in the driveway, and I was shooting free throws, right? And so I ended up actually coming up with this little routine. And every time someone would pass me the ball at the free throw line, I had this routine. And it was dribble, dribble, spin, bounce, bounce, shoot. Dribble, dribble, spin, bounce, bounce, shoot. I have no idea how it happened. <laughs> but that was, that was the routine that helped me to make the shot. And so this became my practice. Right? That every single time it was just dribble, dribble, spin, bounce, bounce, shoot, and I was making them. And so um, the day of the competition, we get there and I shoot my free throws, and that day I made 99 out of 100 free throws. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I was really disappointed about the one that I missed. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> But my coaches were thrilled. They're like, oh my gosh, she made 99 free throws. They're so happy. And my dad was so sad because my parents had pledged $10 for every single shot. Oh, man. And so I can remember my dad writing this check for almost $1,000 to the school. And like tears are coming down his, oh, I don't know if they just thought I wasn't very good or <laughs> if they just thought that I would choke under pressure. I don't know. But I can remember my dad writing that check and just being like, oh, my gosh, like $1,000 to the school for these free throws. But the thing is, I didn't get to that competition and learn how to shoot a free throw, right? I had been practicing. I knew the routine. I had my little, my little go for it. I had the dribble, dribble, spin, bounce, bounce, shoot. I had my thing, right? I knew what I was doing. And when I got to the main event, I was not doing anything new. I was just doing what I had always practiced. I was just doing what was coming automatically to me because of that practice. 
And so this morning, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. If we want to see God in our lives, if we want to see change in any part of our lives, if we want to really see transformation, we have to practice. No amens on that, huh? (laughs) That's okay. We have to practice, though, and you say, well, what in the world does that look like? Like, you know, there's no routine for, for practicing having God in my life. Well, yeah, there is, actually. Read your Bible. Do it every single day. And don't just read the words that are in your Bible. When you open your Bible, it's the living, breathing word of God. So ask God, reveal yourself to me. Teach me something today. Open your word so that I can understand it. Give me wisdom. And then read your word every single day. And I promise you, his word never comes back void. It says it. His word is powerful. His word is strong. His word is true. And let me tell you something. If we are going to be battling against the enemy in our mind, we better have the word. And we better know it. We better know it. (laughs) I'll just give you a second. You better know it. You can't start practicing when the enemy starts fighting against you. That's not the time for us to be learning the word of God. That's the time when we have to recall it. That is our weapon. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we're covered in the armor of God, right? And we need this armor because there is an actual battle that's coming at us that's trying to pull us from God, that's trying to separate us from his will. It's trying to separate us from the way that he wants us to go. It's trying to tear us away from that relationship that God wants. And so we have to have the armor. And most of those pieces are there to defend us. Right? We have a breastplate, and we have a shield, and we have shoes, and we have a helmet. These are all here to protect us and defend us. But the Bible says that we get one weapon, right? It's called the sword of the spirit. And what is that weapon? It is the word of God. We have got to know this word so that when the enemy starts to come at us, we know how to use our weapon We can't learn how to use it as he's attacking us. We'll never win. We've got to practice. We've got to get into his word so that when the enemy comes to us and says, nobody loves you, you're not worth it. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. Whatever the enemy is putting into your mind and trying to make truth, when we have the word that's already circulating and moving through us, we say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not true. We say, no, God's word says that I am perfectly loved because he sent his son for me. His son died for me. His son took my place. My sin and my shame are gone, and I am free, and I am victorious because Jesus came for me. But you cannot be learning that as you're being attacked. We've got to practice And the Bible says we have to meditate on his word, right? And it should dwell richly in our lives. And I just want to tell you one of the best ways to do that is to worship. Worship is so powerful and it's so special because worship puts us directly into the word of God. 
It helps us to dwell on the word. It helps us to meditate on the word. It helps us to remember these promises and these truths. Worship is really powerful. And I have to think that while Paul is sitting in this prison cell and while he's writing this book of Philippians, I just have to imagine that he's sitting there and he's worshiping, right? And I just think he's singing, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And so with every breath, God, I'm gonna sing of your goodness. I'm gonna tell the world of your goodness. And I think he's worshiping. Do you know why I think that? Because the last time he was in prison, he was singing hymns. And what happened the last time? The walls came crumbling down, right? The chains started to break off and he was free. And so I just have to know that Paul was in the practice of worshiping. Paul was in the practice of meditating on the word of God. He was in the practice of refocusing his thoughts on Jesus. He was in the practice of reframing his thoughts so that he could see opportunities. And he was just constantly putting into practice these things so that when he got to the battle or when he got to the big event that he was ready, right? we can do the same exact thing. And you remember those little thought trees that I showed you at the beginning? Well, here's the thing. If we start to let these things happen in our life, so if we tell the Holy Spirit that he can take up residence in us, it means that we're making Jesus Lord of our life. We're saying that his way is better than our way. We're saying that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that he gets to take control. And when we do that, when we start to let God shift and shape and transform our lives and our will and, and the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we react, God starts to shift and change us. But guess what happens to those positive thoughts in our mind? They start to grow. And they start to branch out, right? They start to branch out. They start to multiply. And they start to take up more and more space in our minds. And as that happens, guess what happens to those little thorny guys? They're not being nourished. They're not getting fed. They're not getting what they need, and they start to actually shrink. There's really cool videos. If you're a geek like me, go look up the video of negative thoughts that are just shrinking in our minds when we refuse to feed them. And it's, it shows this video that they get smaller and smaller and smaller until all of a sudden they just go like this, Yes, they completely just combust and explode. And it's why in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us, man, we have to take every thought captive, right? Every single thought, I capture it. If it's obedient to Christ, then I let it go. That's a good thought. But if it's rebellious against Christ, if it's pulling me away from what God is saying is the, his will and his way, then it says, what do we do with it? We crush it. We annihilate it. We do not let it survive at all. And as we refuse to feed these things, they get crushed more and more and more until we just completely annihilate them. Isn't that cool? That's so amazing to me that our minds actually work that way. And so this morning, if you are battling with these negative thoughts, you can take hope that you can change your mind. You can change your mind and it starts with a choice. 
you make the choice to follow Jesus, to copy him, to look like him, to refocus your thoughts, to reframe situations, and you make the choice to practice. And as we do that, when we make that choice, God starts to make the change. And we together change our lives, and we see the transformation of Jesus in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much just for who you are. I thank you for these amazing, um, the amazing example we have in Paul of how we can take just negative things in our life, of how we can take things that, that are trying to pull us towards this dark side, that are trying to attack us, and how we can use your word, how we can use your promises and your truth, God, to attack these things and to let only positive things come into our minds. I thank you for his example and for his persistence, and I thank you for your word that just shows us those stories, that shows us these encouraging examples, God. And I just thank you mostly for Jesus. I thank you that he saw so much worth in us, that he was willing to leave perfect heaven, to come down to a very imperfect earth with very imperfect people, that he was willing to give his life for us. And he did it so that we could have life perfectly in life abundantly in life that is full of your spirit and your joy we just thank you for him god and as we go out this week just help us to look for you we know that if we look for the goodness of god we will always find it you're too good and you're too big to not be found so help us to focus our minds and our eyes on you jesus Help us to look for opportunities instead of problems and help us to focus in on those opportunities that you're giving us. And give us a heart and a mind that's willing to practice, that's willing to just get into your word, that's willing to read it and to try to understand it and help us to worship this week, to help us meditate on your word, to help us have it dwell richly in our lives, to see the fruit of that come through our lives. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you. Um, I do want to tell you, Pastor Larry will be back next week, and we're starting a brand new series about Jesus, of all things. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about his life and how we can follow his example. So we'll see you next week for that. Bye.